0: Well, like I mentioned, we're going to continue in a series that we've been on for a number of weeks. You know, when we started, I believe it was the beginning of March. I think it was March 1st. We're on the fourth part. And, um, you know, things were a lot different then. And this thing that we're dealing with now has moved so fast that the dynamics have changed. But when we started this, we started heading in a direction. Uh, Of course, we didn't know it would end up where it is, but this, I believe, is very applicable where we're at right now in talking about these things. So the series is called Our Source. Our Source, referring to the Lord as our source. So let's look at Matthew 6, verse 19. We're going to read this uh, passage of Scripture so much here. I encourage you, you know, you can read it on the screen, but I encourage you, we're just going to be reading it together. Uh, If you can look at it in your Bible... Now I'm going to be reading out of a New King James Version. And, uh, you know, maybe you have another device or app that you can look on if you don't have that version. But um, to read it together and um, put your eyes on it. Matthew 6, verse 19 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is in darkness, how great is that darkness? Talking about if our eyes are dark, our eyes are how we process the world. If you don't see right, everything about you is wrong. I'm just talking about physically how you're processing what we see and what we experience. If it's dark, everything is going to be dark. But if it's light, then it will be full of light. Talking about, this is all goes together, talking about how we see in the earth, how we look at our circumstances. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters, For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. Now, this is all going together. He just said, you can't serve two masters. Then he said, therefore, I tell you, don't worry. Don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. We're going to continue on and read this. Verse 26, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Let's just stop right there. Verse 26, he just got done saying, we're going to come back and touch base on on some of this again, but I want to refer to verse 26. He just got done saying, don't worry about your life, what you're going to put on, what you're going to eat. Verse 26 says, look at the birds of the air. So he's giving a couple illustrations. Look at the birds of the air. This is Jesus speaking. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Well, it's a good question. You know, the natural answer is, of course. But that's, just because we can answer that, we need to know deeper. Are we? Are we more of more value than these birds that God feeds and they don't toil? Of course, you know, If you're around somebody, well, yeah, of course God loves me. But yeah, it's when push comes to shove, when you're in some uh, situation, uh, the enemy, Satan, is quick to say, God doesn't love you. He's not going to take care of you. But God, Jesus, is saying, look at the birds. I take, the Heavenly Father takes care of them. You're much more important, aren't you? He's saying, aren't you? Are you not of more value than they? Well, that's an important question to answer correctly. Yes, I am. God loves me. You know what he's saying in the first song this morning? I am who you say I am. You're for me. You're not against me. We're talking about God Almighty, the King of the universe. And we need to be convinced of this. We need to be settled in that. Verse 27, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? He's saying, look, the birds are fine. Aren't you more important? Why are you worrying then? That's what he's saying. Verse 28, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Now he's using another il- illustration. He's saying, look at, look at the lilies of the field. He says, they don't toil or spin, they don't do any work, and yet I say that even Solomon, the wisest king that ever lived, it says, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. In other words, Solomon was never clothed like these lilies, and they don't do anything. They just are. Well, they're created that way. Aren't we created? See, this is a big deal. If, you, if, if somebody believes they're just out and, you know, God may or may not care and He may or may not have to do anything with uh, creating us, but maybe we just happen, uh, that will lead to certain beliefs. You're on your own if you believe that. I mean, if, if you think that's the way it is, that's where the, the, the thought process is going to go. But if we believe we're a created being and God... Uh, is our father, and we're his child, boy, that's a different thing. And it's not too hard to believe that God will take care of us, and he'll close us, because he loves us. It says, Yet I, I say to you, not even Solomon in all his glory was, uh, was not arrayed, or he was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? You say it, it, the, the grass is clothed like, the, clothed like this. Is, is he not going to clothe you? Well, it's a good question. Verse 31: Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentile seek, or those without God. That's what they're saying. For your heavenly Father knows you need these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Seek God and His righteousness. In other words, the way He does stuff, go after that. And He said, all these things you need, they're going to be taken care of. That's what Jesus is saying. Verse 34, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. He's saying, don't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow didn't say don't plan for it, don't do what you can. But he said don't worry about it. Those are two different things. Worrying about it's not going to do any good. Jesus said it's not going to do any good. It's pretty black and white. He said for, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Or In other words, there's enough going on today. You don't have to worry about tomorrow. And it, you, if, if you've observed any time at all, you know there are things that you worried about at certain times that never came to pass. Probably a whole lot of stuff never came to pass that we spent time worrying and we just wasted time. Jesus is saying exactly that. Now this morning, this is such a, a rich passage of Scripture and we're going to be focusing on different parts of this as we go along in this series. But I want—I I read it all and take that time because you see this is all connected. These, these are all related, all these verses. Where he's ending up At the end, saying, Seek first the kingdom of God, relates to everything he said in these other verses. I want to focus, and then we're going to go forward and look at other scripture this morning. uh, On verse 24, 25, let's go back there and read these. Matthew 6, verse 24. It says, No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money. Therefore, I say to you. So why is he saying what he's about to say? Because of what he just said. He said, you can't serve two things. And he's talking about specifically God and money. And we're going to elaborate on this. Verse 25, then he says, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, or what you will put on, is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing. Now I'm going to read this in the Amplified Classic. We'll put it up. It br- makes it more clear. Matthew 6, 24 and 25 in the Amplified Classic. No one can serve two masters. Well, right, we'll stop right there. Is that true? If Jesus said it, it's true. No one, you, me, anybody, can serve two masters. And he says, either he will hate one and love the other, or he will stand by and be devoted to the one, or he's just going to despise and be against the other. You can't, you can't serve. You can't go in two directions at once. Now, we know this intuitively, but in practice, sometimes it gets muddled. We try to straddle. And that's exactly what Jesus is addressing here. He said, you you cannot serve God and mammon, and it says here, deceitful riches, money, possessions, or whatever is trusted in. Now, this is a bigger deal than most people, I believe, realize. You can't serve God and mammon, or deceitful riches, money, possessions, or whatever is trusted in, Then in verse 25, he elaborates Therefore, I tell you, stop being perpetually uneasy, anxious, and worried about your life. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, or about your body, what you shall put on, is not life greater in quality than food, and the body far more or far above and more excellent than clothing? So he said in verse 24, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and money or whatever is trusted in, uh, you know, deceitful riches. Why is it says deceitful? Because they can change. They, they're not a rock. They're not uh, something that we can build our life on. They can change. They, they, they can be a mirage. You think you're going towards something and then it can change. Well, we've seen this in great degree recently. But it says, you can't serve the two, but now notice what it says in 25. Therefore, I tell you, stop being perpetually uneasy. Now, what is he saying? He's connecting that to what he just said. He's saying, you can't serve two masters, therefore I tell you, don't be worrying, don't be uneasy. Now, these two are directly connected. And in a way, I believe that's sometimes not obvious, See, when we say, see, you can't serve two ma- masters, God and mammon, what we, I think, intuitively think of is somebody that's putting everything aside and just money, money, money. And they're going to, they're going to, doesn't matter what gets in the way, I'm going after money. And it's easy to think, well, I'm not in that category. You know, I, somebody that's just greedy, somebody that will step on people, they'll climb the ladder, they'll backstab, they'll do whatever because they serve money. That's, I think sometimes that's what we think when we see you can't serve God and money. But what notice how Jesus says it? He says you can't serve God and money, verse 25, therefore I tell you stop being perpetually uneasy, anxious and worried about your life. Well, he's connecting that to serving trying to serve two masters and he connects it to being uneasy and anxious and up and kind of on edge all the time. And he's saying this is a symptom of trying to serve two masters. Not saying, yeah, obviously the guy that's just going to put everything aside and step on people, obviously he's doing this, but Jesus is saying, if we're perpetually uneasy, anxious and worried about your life, all this, always just kind of wondering, what am I, what's going to happen, I don't know this, that, part of that could be, that we're actually serving something unintentionally, maybe we don't see it, but we're, we're, the reason we're worried is because we're concerned about the money more than God taking care of us. Therefore, I tell you, stop being perpetually uneasy, anxious, and worried about your life. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, and about your body, what you shall put on, is not, gr- is not life greater... In quality than food and the body, far above and more excellent than clothing. He's saying, isn't life greater than just money? Or what we have? Or what we're going to put on? You know, we watched a movie recently, and it was set in Africa. It was set in a country in Africa. And um, seeing the in this particular community and the particular people that were in the community that the story was based on uh had some they they had some challenges and seeing the conditions and what they were dealing with and it wasn't dramatized it was realistic i haven't been to africa but i've been to the philippines and i saw worse than what i saw there in in this and and i told the kids that i said this this is, this is real. Um, they're, they're looking to get their next meal. You know, they're, they're looking to get enough money to, to just rent the space they have on a continual basis just so they, they have a place to live. They have shelter and food. That's what, in, the, in this story, they were concerned with. Now, I went to the Philippines uh, on a missions trip when I was in school in 2005, and we went there for nine days, and... Um, we were in two places. We were on an island, and uh, they had been working to start a church there. There was this, this ministry there that had been there for years and started many churches pastored by locals, and they were getting another one going, and it was on an island. And we would go door to door and, and talk to people, and um, you know, you see, it wasn't too bad in the country in some of these places, but you saw where, where people were living, and in their, their uh, what they had, and boy, it's a lot different than what we experience here. But you see the, the conditions. But that was on the island. And then, for the last little bit, we went into Manila, we went back to the, the city, and we went on one day into the slums. It was called Tondo. And People were literally living in garbage in places. They were literally swimming. There was garbage in the water, and they were literally swimming in garbage. We have pictures of it. I have pictures of they built houses with garbage. There was a, a, a um, um, what am I trying to say, a bulldozer in the background of one of my pictures, and just heaps of garbage and people there. That We were, we were there looking around. The people had little, little, tiny areas to live. Uh, just the conditions were, were real. Well, you're talking about somebody that is just getting, they're looking for their next meal. They're looking for a, 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 their shelter over their head. And that is, I mean, Jesus is saying here, is life not greater than what we're going to get next? Is, if we were to look, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, We're going to look at more scripture, but uh, maybe I should wait till I read some more scripture. But uh, as Christians, we need to look and understand that God is our source. And I've said this before, but I want to say it again. No, no company, no organization, no government, no man is our source. God is our source. And so we need to understand that He is the one we're going to look to. And sometimes, you know, in the situations I've talked about, you'll, you, we can think and there's anxiety about where I am and what's going to happen to me. But if we were to think of those conditions, that's not God's will. I'm not saying that's God's will for somebody to live in those conditions. But the difference between a lot of times what we're dealing with and what somebody else is dealing with, there's so much of a gap, but we're, we will think, we're not even thinking that that is a possibility. We're thinking, I don't want to come from here to here, and this would be horrible if I did, and I'm anxious about that and I'm stressed about this, and I'm not saying it's not real, and I'm not saying it's not, there's not a push, and I'm not saying, of course, we, live, we are so blessed, but the thing, and we're going to look at more scripture, is that Jesus is saying the indication of us being worried about moving from here to here is an indication maybe that we're trying to straddle stuff, straddle two things instead of just looking at Him and trusting Him and even if we were in a situation where we our next meal is what we are looking at and our, what we were going to have over our head, we could still trust Him and look to Him. That is so far different from sometimes where we are. You guys are going to help me? We need. I, I, I have so much in my heart. We're going to get this out correctly. Believe with me. There is such a gap, and sometimes we're stressed about something, and, and it's so far from where... Uh, something else that we could see w- that we're thinking, oh, if I were in that situation, well, that would be totally different than anything, but I'm concerned from going to here to here. And it can be nerve-wracking, where if we were to say, look at a condition that's a little bit from where we are, I'm not saying that's God's will, but if we were looking at something where something did slip, it would still be so far removed from some of the conditions that people are in that we would be joyful just to come back to that place that we think we've slipped from. Now, I need to read more scripture, I can tell. Hebrews 13, verse 5, let's look at that. Hebrews 13, verse 5. Stay with me, we're going somewhere. Because God has such good things for every person. He's got such good things for us, and He wants us to walk in all He has for us. But I think we're, we're, we're looking at sometimes there are little tweaks that we can make based on the Word. Hebrews 13, verse 5 says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So now again, we read the first part. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be, be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you no you." That first part when you see covetousness, that does mean to desire stuff. But again, sometimes we peg it over and think that's the person that's just going after uh, the, the world's stuff all the time. But notice again in context how it says this. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? In the CEB translation, it says your way of life should be free from the love of money. Now bear with me. Again, we look at that. Sometimes in a certain way. We say, Well, I don't love money. I mean, I need money. Well, just, just bear with me. Your money of your way of life should be free from the love of money. You should be content with what you have. After all, he has said, I will never leave you or abandon, I will never leave you or abandon you. That should make you feel like saying, The Lord helps me. Why should I be afraid of what people can do to me? In the amplified classic. Let's look at that. It says, let your character or moral disposition be free from the love of money, including grief, avarice, lust, or craving for earthly possessions. That is true. But look, it says, be satisfied with your present circumstances and what you have. For he, God, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down. Relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. Now I'm going to read some of that again. Now he starts out saying, don't, don't be this way. Don't look at money and and get into where we're wanting this because he's saying, He said, I will not. Let's look at the second part of that. He said, I will not in any way fail you. Nor leave you without support. I will not. I will not. I will not in any degree degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down. Relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. He's saying It's not going to happen. I'm going to take care of you. Verse six. So we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently and boldly say the Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? Now it's connecting these two things again. What Jesus said is that the worry and the anxiety about something is connected, can be connected to the fact that we're really more concerned with certain things that have to do with material than we should be. Not that they're not important, not that we're letting them go, not that we're making light of them, but that they can cause us to fear if our perspective isn't right, we can look and say, what's going to happen to me when really we can back up and say, Lord, I'm serving you. I'm going to do what you have me to do. Lord, this is important. You know, I need what I need, but Lord, I'm not going to be caused. That is not important enough to me to be afraid and to be uh, paralyzed and to not know what's going to happen because you are my helper. It says, He said, He will not. And it says, this is the most emphatic it can be said. I will not. I will not. I will not. In any degree, leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down, or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. It's saying, God will not. He will not let us down. He will not let us go. So if I am anxious, it's locating me. And I dare say there's some of this in all of us more than we probably think. We'll say, I'm not the guy over here, but why am I anxious about what's in front of me? Well, if I lose this and this, then I'm over here. Well, why? But God said, don't worry about that. He said, be content. He said, I'm going to take care of you. So if I'm still anxious, what that can mean is I have more focus on these things than I realized. Amen. Amen. This is what I had in my heart this morning to do, so we're going to keep moving on. Praise God. I believe he has good things for us. Hebrews 2.14. Hebrews 2.14 says, Inasmuch then, we'll put this up on the screen. I want to read you a a couple scriptures here. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. And through death, he that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil and release those who through the fear of death were all their lifetimes subject to bondage. It's talking about fear here. And it's saying that the devil, that Jesus came to release us from the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through the fear of death were all their lifetimes subject to bondage. In the Amplified Classic it says, And also that he might deliver and completely set free all those who through the haunting fear of death were held in bondage through the whole course of their lives. In the CEB it says, He set free those who were held in slavery their entire lives by the fear of death. Somebody say, well, I'm not afraid to die. Well, that's good. Losing something is a form of death. Losing anything is a form of death. When you lose something with your health, that's death in your body. When When a marriage or relationship breaks down, that's death in that relationship. Poverty is the ultimate form of death in material things. But this is saying the fear of death will hold a person in slavery. A fear of loss, we could say, will hold us in slavery. Jesus said, don't worry. Well, what's worry? It's fear. It's fear of loss. It's fear and being anxious of something. And Jesus came to release us from the fear of death. Here it says, He set free those that were held in slavery their entire lives by the fear of death. Now we read, you don't have to put it up, but we read back in Matthew, Jesus said you can't serve two masters. Well, what is this talking about? It's saying fear is a master. Slavery, held in slavery, telling you what to do. If we're afraid of losing something and acting on that, then we are actually in bondage instead of saying, God, I'm after you. You are my source. God, you are the source of all my substance. Lord, it may come from different channels, like we mentioned. It can come through channels of certain accounts. It can come through a channel of a job. It can come through certain connections. It can come... uh, through different uh, contracts, but that those things are not the source. They are a channel. And when we go, if, if we're saying, God, you are my source. Lord, I'm not worried about fearing or about loss Because I trust you and I know you're able to bring me through and you're able to bring me over. And I'm not going to behave in such a manner that I start acting in slavery to something that's temporal. I trust you and I know you have my back and I know you'll take care of me. See, this is focusing on him. It's not making light of any situation. It's not making light of the reality. It is saying, God, you are more important and you are Where my trust is, I'm not going to serve this thing over here. I'm not going to let it give me, uh, get into my mind. I'm not going to let it make me anxious. I'm not going to let it uh, cause me to fret. I will not be afraid. When we stamp, start to push against that, then we are actually free. Now, because, let's let's look at it this way. Worst case, we live, and this isn't going to happen. But when we, it can take the fear of death and break it in half and show what it is. If I were looking for my next meal and rent over my head, I could still be happy because he's my God. He is my Lord. And I doesn't, I'm not looking to this thing to make, to, to, I'm not worried about anything that I may have. Uh, being there or not, I'm not making light of it, but sometimes, like one of my instructors said, sometimes when you just put it in perspective and say, because you can worry about something, worry about something, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? Sometimes he says, worst case, if you just paint a picture of the absolute worst thing that could happen and then the absolute best thing, he said, usually it's somewhere in between. So quit knocking yourself over the head about this worst case. And just break that and say, you know what, that's probably not going to happen. This thing is probably, you know, he was talking, you know, in relation to a grade. Sometimes people stress over taking a test. And like, oh my gosh, if I do this and I fail and I only get a 65 or something. And, you know, I could ace it. He goes, well, it's probably going to be somewhere in between. But why are you stressing over I'm going to fail when you're probably not going to fail? You're probably going to be here. But if you say, worst case, I fail, what would happen? What could happen? And say, I could still know God and be free and enjoy life. Then we can back up to the reality of the situation and say, you know what, where I am, I can still right now glorify God and I am not going to let something temporal steal my joy, steal my peace. Make me anxious. Lord, I'm going to look to you. Fear will deter you from the plan of God for your life. Being held in, in bondage by something like that. And there can be intimidation, trying to get you to hold, say, well, what, you're going to lose this, you're going to lose this, you're going to lose that, so don't move, don't move, or do that, or, or move fast, or trying to, to move you around instead of, God, you're my Lord. You said not to worry about this. Lord, you see what happened, but you said you take care of me. Okay, what do we do now? But I'm not going to give that. That much place in my life. You're my source. You're my God. That's not my master. You are. It's subtle. It's subtle. like I said, most of us say, well, God, this isn't my master. No, but it can have more influence than it should. It's if it's if it's causing us to worry, causing us to fear, causing us to be paralyzed. And there there is a lot of that right now. There is a lot of economic change in the world right now. This is not making light of that. This, the word of God, Jesus wasn't making light. He said, your father knows you need these things, but he's a good God. Don't look at that and give that the place. That's not not worth causing you to, to, to lose your peace and your joy. And we can all come up in this area. We've all given into, we've all been, you know, gone down the path of probably worrying about stuff more than we needed to. But God, you know, Jesus is saying here, and God's word says, he is our source. It doesn't matter what it looks like. God, you, well, you said not to worry about tomorrow. Yeah, but tomorrow this could that. Nah, nah. God, I'm not going to give that that much place. You're my Lord. And I'm going to enjoy it today. And the devil will try to come and paint pictures to you. Oh, well, this is going to happen. And you're going to lose this. And you're going to lose that. And one way to stop it is say, devil, I trust God. And if I were just standing here with the clothes on my back and a rented place, I am still going to glorify God because life is more important than this than other things. They're important. You know, I need them. I'm going to trust you. And that can break and make us free right now. Then in our situation to go forward and live like we're supposed to live and face it with the power of God, with the anointing of God, with the wisdom of God. Knowing that he wants good things and that he is there, but giving him the place on the throne as our source. And any bit of, well, this could happen. No, if it's anxious, I'm probably not looking to him. It's gotten in there, and it's subtle. Satan's crafty. He tries to get in there and where and just get it, you know, occupy a part of your mind. Well, this is going to happen. This is going to happen and, and show you pictures. And he's a liar. He's a liar. And so any of that we can stamp out. Let's read a few more verses. Verse Timothy 6, verse 6. Praise God. God is a faithful God. He is a good God. First Timothy 6, six says... Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. We know that's true. When we leave the world, none of the stuff that we're dealing with now is going with us. Stuff. People we can take with us. If they know Jesus, that's what's important. And that's what God holds important. The rest of this stuff, it's going to be burned up. Verse 7, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Now, we, got to, we, got, we need mind renewal, because when we see that, we're thinking, Yeah, right, I mean, that's just over here. But it's over and over in the Bible. We've read it now a number of times. It's not saying that's all we should have. It's saying we're content... We're okay because the other stuff doesn't have a hold, and we're not ready to fully enjoy what we we do have until we break anything that says, I have to have something. See, if I have to have something, then that's going to bother me if somehow I don't. Not that we shouldn't have it, not that God doesn't want us to have it, but we don't want it to have us. We don't want it to occupy our mind and make us anxious. And here it says, verse 7, For we brought nothing into the world. It is certain we can carry nothing out. And and having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich... See, again, we'll put that in context of, well, that's just these people. That's just this, oh, yeah, that's this person. He's always going. But we have to put it in context of the rest of the Bible. We we don't want to let anything that's material drive us in a way that's not congruent with how God sees the situation. In other words, He's on the throne. He has no problem, and He wants us to have plenty because we can do good with it, but we don't want it to make decisions for us. One definition of a God is that which determines what you do. And if, if, or si- if an economic situation or you know, a, a money situation in our life determines what decision we make, I'm not talking about being wise and taking care of business, but I'm saying, if we're saying, if I do this, this could happen, And I don't want that to happen, you know, financially. So I can't do it. And we go a certain direction. We're acting in fear and we're being led by fear instead of saying, God, what would you have me to do? And whatever he says, I'm not saying ignoring business principles, ignoring what would be considered wisdom. But we are doing taking those as inputs. But the umpire is what God says, not I'm trying to avoid something. If I'm trying to avoid something, I'm giving too much credence to that part. That, that material, and I'm actually giving it a, a voice in my life where God should have a voice. And what it, it, maybe if it doesn't even make sense, we need to know it, it's God, but if it doesn't make sense, we say, God, I'm doing what you would tell me to do. And then we're leading, we're following Him. If, if we have something where we're making decisions, you know, like Brother Hagen would make the example of somebody taking a job. one I think it was one parishioner that he had. They, they, they took a job in... You know, the world was a lot different then, where people didn't, couldn't telecommute like they do now and whatever. And they were going to move, I don't know how far away, to take this job. And he, and he was like, so is there a good church there? Well, they ha- he said, well, I haven't che- checked if there's a church there. But it pays so much more. Well, and he said, you're, you're, one of the first things you ought to check is, are you going to be taken care of spiritually? Are, is there a good church there? Because that's more important than the raise you're going to get. And that, that shows if we make decisions based on something like, well, this pays more. Well, again, there's a natural consideration. But that shouldn't be the umpire. God, If we look at God and say, Lord, what you would want me to do, that's what I'm going to do and we know that He has our good, then we know we're going to be taken care of. Let's read the rest of this verse, and we're going to look at it in another translation. It says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare. Talking about the same thing. And into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Verse 10, for the love of money is, is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now, again, we read that sentence, and I think we put it like it's this category of person that, you know, love of money is, a, number one, it says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, not money. It's the love. Well, what does love mean? Again, I think we put it in this category where somebody, This just these people that are just, they are just, workaholic, bent on money, 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 money. They don't care about their family. They don't care about their health. That's the category I think a lot of times we read this when we say, well, we're not that. But love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Well, that means if money's determining what I do, it says some have strayed from the faith in their greediness. Th- that just simply means looking at something, doing things that I wouldn't do, but I am pushed. I'm anxious. I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm doing stuff that doesn't line up with what my Bible beliefs are. I may be led by fear or I'm led by worry or I'm led by a- avoiding things. And so it says they pierced them through with themselves through with many sorrows. Has anybody ever done something that was dumb because of money? Absolutely. That's what it's talking about. But you can do things, worrying about it, like what Jesus was saying, worrying about your life and putting that on the throne. And really, it could be we're putting the money aspect too high. Now, we're talking about God as our source, and we're going somewhere with this whole series. We're talking about a foundational thing that we need to identify. Sometimes there's a place that something's pushing on us. And we identify what it is and we can get free and go forward and, and live in joy and contentment and freedom and with what God actually has for us. Let's look at this in the NLT. Praise God. 1 Timothy 6, verse 6 in the NLT. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Amen. True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Isn't that what Jesus said? He said, you have the stuff you need to eat, and you got head over your shoulders. He goes, you should be content with that. He said, that in itself is great wealth. He said, isn't life more than this stuff? See, this is a a mind change. Look, it's just recalibrating, saying, God, you're so good. I have my family. I, I'm healthy. Lord, I'm going to praise you and I'm going to trust you with this situation, but I'm not going to let it eat me up. See, it's a like recalibration that this is the bar. This is not an American thing. See, if anything just works in a certain country, it's not the gospel. But this is the bar. Jesus said it over and over. We've said it, seen it how many times in the Bible, with food and clothing... Shelter, you'd be content. That doesn't mean that uh, that's all there is, but my peace is not going to get ruffled. Regardless, I'm going to be content here, and I'm free then to move forward with what God has has for me, and I can enjoy each minute. You know, kids do not understand and realize a lot of their surroundings when they're growing up. They don't understand what we have and what we don't have. They remember the emotional state and what they look around and see. And uh, they can be very fond of something that actually you know, is not bright and shiny in the natural, but they associate something. It's safety, it's um, warmth, it's love, and they don't care that it was bright and shiny and new. And that's, that is very telling. Something could be bright and shiny and new, but there's no love. There's nothing there, and and, and they shy away from it. But Jesus is is telling us, that we can be rich. We are rich just with just living. Knowing Jesus as our Savior and being in the family of God right now, if you're in that state and you're in the family of God, called on Him as your Lord and Savior, you are rich beyond comprehension. We don't even understand anything on this earth pales in the comparison with what we have now. We all, if, if we're born again and trusted Jesus, and if we haven't, it's available freely, but we are rich. If we could see in the spirit realm, we would understand we are rich beyond comprehension. And this other stuff, it frees us to enjoy and to walk through life enjoying the things the way they ought to be enjoyed, not putting them in the wrong uh, perspective. He said, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall in temptation, temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money. Again, we have to recalibrate there have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now, he's talking about people that actually left the faith, but there's a a truth there. God has provided everything we need. He's provided everything we need. And we can look to Him in spite of what the natural circumstances may look like right now. As we walk through... As we walk through, you know, particularly, there are economic challenges. And and as we look at them, basically the degree by which we're influenced by the stuff around us, including the monetary, is the degree that we haven't put him completely as our source. The more stressed we are, about something. We're not making light. There are real pressures. There are real challenges, but the, and we're all uh, growing. To the degree that it bothers us is the degree that we haven't said absolutely, no, you're my source. Whatever happens, you'll take care of me. If everything went by, you know, anything, everything went away, Lord, you can bring me back even further. You can bring me up. Lord, I trust you, and I'm just going to enjoy it. I will not give that credence by letting it ruffle me. In faith, trusting him, fully convinced, Lord, you are my God. I will not serve that master. I will not serve the master of something that's that's deceitful in that it looks like I can trust it, but it can change like that. I will not be a slave to fear. I will choose to look to you and trust you fully. And regardless of what this happens, then I am constant. Lord, you're gonna, you'll take care of it. You'll show me, you'll give me wisdom. You'll bring me back further and stronger and better than before. You'll replace accounts. You'll replace the customers. Lord, we can rebuild. We're coming over because you're, My Father, you are my source. And I will not give this thing that place in my life. These things that are going to be burned up. I can't take them with me. And so, Lord, I trust you. Hallelujah.